McShane Bible Study, and we are actually caught up, although now I guess we're going to get ahead. We're going to do days 273 and 274. It's very unlikely that we're going to be doing any Saturday recordings uh, soon, so might as well catch up a little bit, uh, get ahead. So... First Kings second, sorry, First Kings two and three are. There's a lot going on. Uh, David's, you know, dying, and so he pulls Solomon aside and he gives him advice and instructions. Right, mm-hmm. his advice you'll see is very similar to the advice God is going to give him in the next mm-hmm. chapter. Um, he says, "Walk in the ways of the Lord, follow Him, and you'll be blessed in all ways." And then he wants to tie up a lot of his loose ends that he didn't tie up. He didn't want to dirty his own hands with these things. He left it to Solomon. And then he dies. And uh, Solomon is established. And for some reason, Adonijah, man, this is a bold move. He, so he goes and asks Bathsheba to ask Solomon to give him the girl. What was her name? Abba? What was the girl's name? Ada, Abishag. Uh, the one who had slept in the bed with David. Remember, she was very beautiful, so he, he apparently wants her as a wife. Well, Solomon sees this, at, Bathsheba agrees, Solomon sees this as a huge threat that he's going to try to make a claim to being king because his wife is the last woman to share the bed of the former king. And so Solomon's pretty outraged. Uh, he seems, uh, you know, he's got a little vindictiveness to him in, in what all the next things. Because he goes and he takes care of uh, the things that David asked him to take care of, which included uh, killing Joab. Uh, he sends away Abiathar, so he's no longer a priest. And remember, he's the last remaining son of Eli. Yeah. So that remember, um, God had promised that Eli's family would be removed from the priesthood. And so that's taken care of now. And uh, although, you know, Solomon didn't kill him because remember, he was the one, remember his whole family, the whole, uh, were there like 70 priests that Saul had killed? And there was one young one that escaped mm-hmm. and went to David to tell him about it. It was Abiathar, right? Mm-hmm. So he's been with David this whole time. But... He chose to follow, um, um, no, what's his name, Adonijah, instead of um, instead of saying, you know, what David wanted to have happen. So, you know, and he, Shammai, he deals with all these people that David wants him to deal with in the rest of uh, chapter 2. Kingdoms established in Solomon's hands. And then Solomon goes to the high place. He, he did this a lot. There was not a, uh, well... There was a tabernacle. Well, I guess the David had the tabernacle. You know, I'm not sure. Did David have the tabernacle set up in Jerusalem? I don't think so. No, was it still? Anyways, uh, Solomon's going to the high places a lot. Particularly, it was a uh, Gibeon, which was common in those days. And the scripture sh- shows us. I mean, God did not instruct the people to do this. It wasn't exactly right. But Solomon went up there. His heart was to seek the Lord. And he prays, and God says, ask me what you want, and I'll give it to you. Mm-hmm. 
that's a pretty cool promise by God, right? Mm-hmm. And so what does God say? I mean, what, is, uh, what does he say? Wisdom. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? Well, first thing I want to point out is, what did he want to discern? Between good and evil. What did, uh, what did Satan promise Adam and Eve uh, to tree of good and evil? The knowledge of good and evil. <laughs> Remember, Satan said, I'm going to give you a shortcut to understand this. Um, Solomon's saying, look, I'm in charge of all your people. I get to decide who lives, who dies, and how things operate. But I want to do it with your wisdom. God never meant to withhold the knowledge of good and evil from people. He meant to instruct them in their ways. Satan's always about a shortcut, right? And uh, so he says, I, you know, I want wisdom, Lord. I want this understanding so that I can be a wise king to serve your people. God mm-hmm. says, well, that's exactly what I'm looking for, right? Mm-hmm. He says, most people in your situation would ask to be super wealthy, super powerful, lots of wives, or a long life. That's that's what guys want. Mm -hmm. And you didn't ask for any of these things. You asked for the wisdom to rule my people well. So I'm going to bless you and make you the wisest man. And I'm going to give you all these other things you could have asked for that didn't. Mm -hmm. What is that similar to? What does Jesus teach us? Lots of things. <laughs> he says, seek first the kingdom and mm-hmm. all these other things will be granted to you. Mm-hmm. Right? He says, the people of this world seek after all these things, food and clothing, etc. But you seek first the kingdom and all these other things will be given to you. you see how that's the same, the same promise God made to Solomon? Uh-huh. It's a promise of life. He wants to bless us more than we could ever ask for. Mm-hmm. He just asks that we walk in his ways. And he's going to continue on with Solomon saying, well, if you walk in my ways, keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. And I will bless you. He had already said all, all the other ways he's going to bless him. Um, and then Solomon displays his wisdom when the two prostitutes come and uh, one's baby died and the other one didn't and the one tried to claim the baby and and he has a really wise answer for, well, just cut the baby in two. You both say the baby's yours, cut it in two. And the real mom said, whoa, 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 no, she can have him. The vindictive mom said, yes, that's fair. So obviously he had parsed out who was the real mom. And that's end of that chapter and we're going to finish the book of galatians which is chapter six and i'm just a couple things he's kind of wrapping up loose ends in the last chapter as usual Uh, verse eight stood out to me for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life we were just kind of talking about this right Mm -hmm. if you live for the spirit for the kingdom for eternal things then blessing will flow into your life, right? If you live for worldly things, you're always in a state of dying, mm-hmm. right? Um, verse 13, For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. So what was your question? Why did the people who are trying to get them to be circumcised 
Why do they want disciples? It helps get, well, okay, there's a couple things. In general, there's, there's a principle which is true, which is a little more hard to put your finger on. There's a direct thing that they might, they might have gotten money out of it. But they would also, there's just probably a, a prestige thing within Jerusalem that they would, it would look good for them if they keep people, these people out in the you know, Greek world coming back to the law of Moses as their standard, right? But more than that, even in, in any religious circles, even today, the more following that you get in, in, a, in a fallen way of understanding the world, the, the more credibility and power that you have, which makes you, mm-hmm. which fills the, per- that's, that's what Satan wants, right? People to mm-hmm. follow him, right? Mm-hmm. Just convince Adam and Eve, no, don't follow God, follow me. And he's continually, you see it all over. It's the biggest thing right now you have with uh, young, young adults today is they all want to be influencers. Well, people, these people are following me for this and that, right? Um, and um, so it, it's this it's this deep desire from Satan for people to follow you mm-hmm. rather than the Lord, mm-hmm. right? And so that's, hopefully that answers your question. 15, mm-hmm. for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Paul says it's not about religion. Mm-hmm. Even though the circumcision was given by God to Abraham, and, and recorded oh. by Moses is super important. Mm-hmm. It still just points to something uh, spiritual. And then we, we see in what Ezekiel, Jeremiah, um, that it, what God's looking for is a circumcision of the heart. Mm-hmm. Right? Which is not, of course, done with a knife. It's a mm-hmm. spiritual transformation. And so Paul says it, it doesn't matter these things that you're the do's and don'ts. It's just religion. It's part of the fallen world. It might be a point of a, a part in the that's been put into the fallen world to point towards a way out of the fallen world and the rules mm-hmm. that bind. But it's still just part of the fallen world. He says, what matters is that you become a new creation that is above this fallen world. 16. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon Israel of God. Again, it goes back to what we just talked about. Mm -hmm. When you walk according to this way, you will walk in blessing. Mm -hmm. Right? All right, let's do Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, um, so this is just an incredible presentation of the gospel. You know what the word gospel means? Good news. There you go. So, this is, this is the good news, and, and this book is awesome, and you know, we won't have time to parse every verse, because every verse, I mean, he wrote this very carefully, because each verse is just filled with meaning, mm-hmm. um, and we'll... We'll comment on all of them. But five says, He predestined us for adoptions, sorry, for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. 
So what is God's will for mankind? That we be adopted as sons of God through Jesus Christ. That's what he made us for. It doesn't mean everyone's going to be that because we have a long history of choosing to go our own way. But that is his will for mankind. That's his will for us. Uh-huh. So that's it right there, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, well then, let's go down. Verse 9, making known what, if we start to enter into this way, because he starts talking about the tremendous grace that he lavished upon us with all his wisdom and insight. Mm-hmm. Grace makes it possible, right? And this mm-hmm. way is according to his wisdom and understanding of how this can work, right? Mm-hmm. He makes it happen, not us. But then what, what does it look like for us? Nine, making known to us the mystery of his will. Mm-hmm. We get to know the will of God who created everything. Mm-hmm. Everything you can imagine or wonder or think about, he created it all. Mm-hmm. And we get to know his will. Mm-hmm. That's pretty amazing, right? Mm-hmm. According to his purpose. So we know his purposes and what's his, what's about. That's his purpose. To teach mm-hmm. us his will. Which he set forth in Christ. So Christ is the standard. Christ mm-hmm. is the way and the truth and the life. So he's the way that we should walk and live. He's mm-hmm. the truth. He's everything that's real and true and good. Mm-hmm. And he's actually the life that we need to be filled with, Mm -hmm. right? As a plan for the fullness of time. Okay, so it's not all completely done. This has to be worked out over time, Mm -hmm. right? So it's actually in my time with the Lord, I'm kind of trying to put some coherent thoughts together for tonight. And um, it was one of the points I was making. I forget exactly, but it had to do with... God's working out this plan in time. Religion would have us think about, um, oh, okay, that's an event that happened in the past. There's an event that will happen in the future. Now I can go about my life. Mm-hmm. God says, no, I'm working this out in mankind through time. And I need people that will participate in this with me. Mm-hmm. All these people we read about in the Bible, they participated in what God is doing. He says, I need you to be a part of me working this out, mm-hmm. right? As a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him. So what's he doing? He's uniting all this a fallen, broken world. He's uniting everything back to him, everything that's worth mm-hmm. keeping, right? Mm-hmm. Things in heaven and things on earth, mm-hmm. okay? In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So we have an inheritance. Mm-hmm. You know what that means? We have something stored up for us mm-hmm. of great value mm-hmm. that we would inherit the things owned by God. Mm-hmm. What does God own? Everything. Everything. So that's the inheritance for us. That we as a family, as as sons, would inherit everything that God owns and is and has. See that? It's a big deal, right? Mm -hmm. 
This is according to the counsel of his will. This is his plan. So that we who are first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. So we that are a part of this plan. And, you know, Paul says in multiple letters, I think even in this this one, that he looks forward to the fullness. Even now he's saying, look, I look forward to the full fulfillment of these things. Mm-hmm. Like, he was obviously a big part of this plan, but he didn't get to see the fullness to the degree that we're going to get to see the fullness as we live this out, mm-hmm. right? And by choosing to be a part of that, by choosing to sacrifice our lives and give our lives for him and his purposes instead of our own flesh, our own thoughts, our own ways, the world's ways, mm-hmm. by choosing to give it all to him, we might be to the praise of his glory. We bring God glory in the earth because we choose to walk in his ways. See that? Mm -hmm. 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. So Paul's on one hand saying this is all true. On the other hand, he's praying that they would have some grasp of this. So he's saying, I've entered into an understanding and, and, and a higher level of living this out. And, but, and you are all Christians, but you, you haven't come to this understanding yet. So I'm praying for you to receive this, right? That God will give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. Mm-hmm. So it should be our prayer too, that we grow in wisdom and revelation and knowledge of God, Right? 18, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. So he says, I'm not talking about just your natural eyes. I'm talking about spiritual eyes, right? Mm -hmm. That you open and see what's really going on in your life and in the world around you. Not just Mm -hmm. what you see with your eyes. Not getting caught up in emotions. That you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. He says, this desire is that you understand the reality of these things. What exactly God has purpose for you, as we've just been talking about. Like, set your mind, your heart, and your life on these things. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? He said, this is the reality that he has set aside for you. But you have to choose him to be a part of it. Verse 20, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. So Jesus, because he did all this perfectly, mm-hmm. and there needed to be one, he <clears throat> was the one who was, first of all, crucified for us, but then went down and stole the keys back that Adam and Eve had given to Satan. He took them back, and then he was seated in the third heaven, above every other throne, every rule and authority and power, right? Mm -hmm. So he is now above the, all the authorities in this broken world. Mm -hmm. Satan's still the ruler of this world, but Jesus is above that. You see that? 22, and he put all things under his feet. So all those things are under his feet. And he gave him as head over all things to the church. So Jesus mm-hmm. is the head. If, if the church is one body, mm-hmm. Jesus is the head of the body, right? Mm-hmm. 
which is his body. So we become a part of his body, right? Mm -hmm. And so what are we? Is Jesus full without us? Mm -mm. It says, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. We become the fullness as we give ourselves to him and his purposes in us. We mm -hmm. become the fullness of the life of Jesus in this mm -hmm. world, in humanity, in time, mm -hmm. in God's plan. See that? Mm -hmm. All right. All right, we are running short on time. It's Ezekiel 33 and 34. And the Ezekiel 33 is about the watchman, right? Which he basically says, if I give you something to do to say to others and you do not say it, the thing is still going to happen the way I said, but now you're guilty. If I do, if you do say it, then you're not guilty because you've obeyed me, right? I'm shortening that, but that. That's what he said to him. 14. Again, though, I say to the wicked, you shall surely die. Yet if he turns from his sins and does what is just and right. So then he talks about, this was a kind of a foreign concept to people. But he says, look, if, if you've been living wickedly, but you turn back to me, I will forgive you. The opposite is true, too. Just because you've lived righteously in the past, if you turn away from me, you're guilty. Right? Um. 31, and they come to you as people come, and they sit before you as my people, and they hear what you say, but they will not do it. For with lustful talk in their mouths they act, their heart is set on their gain. So again, he says, I, I cannot stand a religious people that say they live for me, but in reality, they live for themselves, for their flesh, or for the world. It's not what I'm looking for, right? Yeah. Chapter 34 he talks about shepherds, right? Jesus obviously borrows heavily from this. Verse 10, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. So that if I have people that are, you know, foolishly or, you know, innocently not, not understanding, they're going to the wrong shepherds, I will remove this situation. Because mm -hmm. the shepherds are out for themselves. Mm -hmm. 12 says, As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep. So he goes, I'll, I'll rescue them wherever I find them. Right? 23, And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them, he shall feed them and be their shepherd. David's long dead by this time, right? So who's he talking about? Jesus. Right. And... 25, I will make with him. So what is the promise for the people that become a part of what Jesus is building, what Jesus is doing? I will make them a covenant of peace and banish wild beasts from the land so that they may dwell securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. And I will make them in the places all around my hill a blessing. He says they, they, they may have had to go through a very difficult time to get here. They're stuck in the wilderness. But I will bless them and take care of them. And then I will transform the areas around them, around <coughs> the hill, a blessing. And I will send down the showers in their season. They shall be showers of blessing. He goes on and on and says, I will bless them in every way because they've committed to being my people. And I will be their God. You see that? Mm -hmm. Same thing. Same message, right? That we've been talking about. Different prophet. Okay. And we're wrapping up with Psalms 20, 21, and 22. 
Um, so there's just a couple of verses that point to what we've been talking about. Psalm 27, 20 verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Right? Mm-hmm. It says, I will not look to my answer being anything in this world, but God mm-hmm. alone. In 22, it, of course, it's an amazing, wonderful, prophetic psalm that sh- shows so much about Jesus's last day on earth. Um, but he says in, in 22, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. So Jesus mm-hmm. talking about his brothers, the many sons of God, right? Mm-hmm. 27, all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord and all the families of the nation shall worship before you. So again, this picture of God transforming the world back to his original design right? Mm -hmm. For kingship belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. That is, Mm -hmm. that is what he's doing. That is what we give our lives to. Thank you, Lord. That's all I have. Do you have anything? No. God bless you. God bless you.